This episode is sponsored by Enriched Superfoods. Enriched is my go-to store for the most powerful, most pure superfoods on the plain et. They've got all the good stuff from maca to matcha, from shilajit to powdered greens. But you know what I love the most? I love the mushrooms. Now I know what most of you are thinking, get on with the show, right? But I know what else you're thinking. You're thinking, how can I get better at strangling people? Us jiu-jitsu guys, we're all the same. We want to be better, we want to be badder. Well, being better requires two things, learning more stuff and being able to execute more stuff. And Enriched has got you covered with what I'm calling the white basement jiu-jitsu super stack. First is lion's mane mushroom to supercharge memory, focus and clarity and even better, give a neurotrophic boost literally helping you grow new jiu-jitsu brain cells. Now, a jiu-jitsu super brain is all well and good, but if you can't execute on the mat, then it don't mean jack. That's why the second half of the super stack is the legendary Cordyceps CS4 mushroom extract, scientifically proven to offer heroic levels of stamina and energy, as well as improved lung function, actually helping you breathe better while you stop other people from breathing at all. Go to enriched.co, that's E-N-R-I-C-H-D.co, and use the promo code WhiteBasementPod for a 10% discount across the whole site. Want to get more taps in more rounds and more respect from more people? Then get super stacked. Go to enriched.co and use the promo code WhiteBasementPod. I suppose traditional martial arts are sort of sort of died out I guess and stuff a little bit hasn't it and uh, I'd seen like what jiu-jitsu was about seen like MMA I was like this is like where I want to go so I sort of stopped um, stopped doing taekwondo I was just doing a bit of teaching Um, and then I went to this MMA gym and I walked in and was like oh my god like this is amazing and I, I was 17 at the time and I remember the bloke that come out to teach us, he was sort of known in the area for being a bit of a, bit of a con man or something, I guess, like a um, bit of a cowboy. And I was, and my heart sank a little bit when I saw that it was him. I knew about this guy before because I had a friend that had done MMA and he had like, I think he'd done some bets against him and stuff like that. And this bloke come out and it was him and I was like, oh, it's, it's this guy. But as it was, like he was actually a nice guy and um, he said to me, he was like, oh, I'll have you fighting in two, in two months. And like, because he's 17 years old, you're like, oh my God, yeah, like this is how quick all this is going to happen for me. I was good at Taekwondo. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm obviously just going to thrive in this as well. Um, and then probably like a month in, they um, the gym that I was training at, like gave me a call. and <laughs> was like, this guy's not insured. So you obviously can't train here anymore. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the White Basement Podcast. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at White Basement Pod. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And please do share the show. It helps us to grow. My guest today is Jade Barker. She holds a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo and recently received her brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Jada's fought K1 and MMA, having shared a cage with Fionn Davies, and is now a regular competitor on the jiu-jitsu mats, having recently fought on Polaris. Jade, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. 
All the way from Portsmouth. Yeah. In the rain, in the dark. Yeah, it was all right, it was all right. Yeah. Yeah. Drive was okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like I like I was just saying outside, it's it's weird because I see your 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 social media is quite active. Yeah. You're quite good on the social media side. I'm always just doing stuff. Pops up That's all the, the thing. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even like uh, not even jujitsu related. I just go out and about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. that's what I see. And and um, so I, I I've got um, oh I'm going to completely forget her name now. But the the um, woman who runs Enyo Grappling. Oh yeah, um, Joe. Yeah. Yes, Joanne. She's she's coming in hopefully in January, and. Um, I got I got called out also by another Joe, uh, who's a Muay Thai coach, because I was talking about grappling and striking, and she sent me a message saying that's bullshit. I've been teaching <laughs> Muay Thai for thirty years. I was like, do you want to come on the podcast? So I'll, hopefully, I'm going to be able to to do a little, like a little run with women who mm. are training and fighting and competing and all that kind of stuff. Um, so so yeah, maybe we can we can kind of get into that stuff as we go. But um, maybe if you can start with your kind of martial arts journey, because you started when you were five. Five, yeah, yeah. yeah so. so super young. Um, I, I really only started because I wanted to be a Power Ranger. My mum my wanted me to do the ballet and all that sort of thing. I think I went to one session and told her I hated it. Did you have a Did you have a particular <laughs> Power Ranger? Red, always red always red. Yeah, but best color. <laughs> Um, even as a boy, still doesn't matter. It's still red. Um, but yeah, so she wanted me to do that. I was always sort of watching Power Rangers, Turtles, all that sort of thing. Um, I lived with, uh, at my granddad's house. Um, my uncle was there, so he always like watched wrestling and all that sort of thing. So he always like played like um, Street Fighter, Tekken, all those sort of things. So I sort of naturally grew up almost like perf- just naturally seeing all that. And then... Um, I obviously stopped like the dancing sort of sort of thing. And then um, I said to my dad that I wanted to go to somewhere where I could be a Power Ranger. And he was like, oh, I can take you somewhere. So um, he took me to my first Taekwondo class. Um, it was only up the road and uh, my parents didn't have a lot of money, but they always had like enough money for me to go to my lessons. Um, so like initially like I, every every session I'd just go in and I'd just cry even as what I wanted to do like my, my instructor had to sort of like take me by the hand and like but that was you were five I right? was five yeah and um I had to like stand at the back with my instructor and like I was really thankful like my parents just persis- persisted with it and um just was like you know you, you'll start to enjoy it and and then, then I just fell in love with it it was, it was only sort of like a handful of sessions that I'd like have to go in with the instructor holding my hand but yeah like those first sort of few weeks I guess were probably quite scary and just new I guess and so how long did you do did you just try have you trained taekwondo all the way through uh so I'd done that from five and then I think I stopped when I got to about 17 so that's still a pretty good yeah it's quite a long time and uh but like sort of during so just before that so I think I think I probably must have been 13 14 and my dad had said, like, obviously all during this, I was always watching, like, all the, the films and everything like that, like, all Bruce Lee films, it, like, everything. I just loved it. In between, I was sort of doing bits like football and stuff, but it always still took me back to Taekwondo. It was always that that I still wanted to do. Um, so I got quite good at football. And it was like a choice at one point, like, did I want to sort of pursue football or Taekwondo? And it was still just Taekwondo. I just enjoyed it a lot more. And uh, my dad, when I think I got to about 13, 14, my dad was like, oh, I've been watching this thing. It's called Ultimate Fighting. 
and uh, I, I stayed up one night and watched it with him. And it was uh, it wasn't even like now when I look back, it was actually a shit fight. But it was like um, Diego Sanchez and Nick Diaz for like the Ultimate Fighter Two finale. Right. And I was like, oh my god, this is wild! Like I, I want to do that. And so that was almost like the start of me wanting to do a little bit more. Um, so I sort of started to understand like what MMA was. So what, how, how old would you be roughly? Probably then? about 13, 14, right. I, I think, from what I can remember. Um, so I was like, oh, that's what I want to do when I, when I get older. And I remember um, being in school and uh, one of the teachers sort of saying, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be a fighter. And he was like, Oh, he sort of made a comment like, oh, that's constructive. But that that was, at that point, I was, like like I said, started to watch UFC. I was like, this is this is like what I want to do. Um, so when I got to 17, um, I think by this point, I'd started to know that Taekwondo wasn't really where it was at anymore. Um, I suppose traditional martial arts are sort of, sort of died out, I guess, and stuff a little bit, hasn't it? And uh, I'd seen like what jiu-jitsu was about, seen like MMA. I was like, this is like where I want to go. So I sort of stopped um, stopped doing Taekwondo. I was just doing a bit of teaching. Um, and then I went to this MMA gym and I walked in and was like, oh my God, like this is amazing. And I, I was 17 at the time. And I remember the bloke that come out to teach us, he was sort of known in the area for being a bit of a, um, bit of a con man or something, I guess, like a um, bit of a cowboy. And I was, uh, my heart sank a little bit when I saw that it was oh, him. Oh, because you were aware of this guy. I already. knew about this guy before because I had a friend that had done MMA and he had like, I think he'd done some bets against him and stuff like that. And this bloke come out and it was him and I was like, oh, it's, it's this guy. But as it was, like he was actually a nice guy and um, he said to me, he was like, oh, I'll have you fighting in two, in two months. And like, because he's 17 years old, you're like, oh my God, yeah, like this is how quick all this is going to happen for me. I was good at Taekwondo. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm obviously just going to thrive in this as well. Um, and then probably like a month in, they, um, the gym that I was training at, like gave me a call. and was like, this guy's not insured. So you obviously can't train here anymore. Um, he, he's basically had, had to go and I was like, oh great. And obviously I was still at that age where like I wasn't, hadn't done my, past my driving test or anything like that and the nearest MMA gym was quite a bit further down the road and there wasn't really anywhere for any way for me to sort of get there my, my parents wouldn't have taken me there at that point um uh so I was like oh what, what do I do and thankfully someone else from from that other gym had sort of said oh we're looking for somewhere else to train and they had got me in touch with a guy called Colin House uh he's in Portsmouth um and he was just training he was just had a little jiu-jitsu gym out of um out of a fitness first um so he just rented like a little space up there with some like jigsaw mats um I had to sort of lie to him and just sort of say like oh yeah I'm definitely 18 I was only like it was only sort of like a few months off but like yeah I'll see I had to say I was 18 at this point and uh thankfully he let me train there and um literally just been with him ever since he done like a little bit of striking and that as well uh he he comes from a taekwondo background he'd done MMA as well uh so we've almost had like very similar sort of journeys in that sense um but yeah he knew that like my goal was to do MMA but obviously by the once I started training with him it was just all about jiu-jitsu for for quite a long time so did you well, once you started training the jiu-jitsu there did you start competing in jiu-jitsu yeah so I was um so this was still whilst we was all at, like at fitness first so um like done like my first comp it was a it was an ogi one actually um and I remember um getting there 
and um my dad was like cornering me like because uh like Colin couldn't make it um and his girl um turned up and she had like um she had like a load of people in her corner um I remember I always remember Jason Tan was at was at this comp because I even bumped into Jason like this year and I was like you were at my first ever comp but yeah so he he was there and like quite a few people now that I'm like oh that like back in the day sort of thing um and I saw all these people cauliflower ears and all that and I was like oh yeah this is where it's at like this sort of thing and I remember her teammates were like oh this is going to be funny so they thought I was just going to get smashed and um I beat this girl like 13 nil and I was like oh so then straight away I was like yeah this this is where it's at and then after that was when I sort of started competing like in the gi um I had like some some good matches some like not so good um and stuff like that but so I was loving it. You were training gi and no gi. Yeah, gi and no gi. Um, mainly, mainly gi. To be fair, we only sort of done a couple of no gi sessions a week cause, just because we was at this um, little area and fitness fair. So it wasn't like Colin could have his own um, proper timetable or anything like that. We just had to work around fitness first. <laughs> so how long did you stay there at fitness first before? Because um, you're in a pro- proper gym now. Proper yeah, space. yeah. So I think I was probably there for. Because I started work, so because obviously, like I was in this sort of, um, you know, sort of like going there, t- doing jujitsu and stuff, doing the striking. Um, I sort of th- was at that point, like, oh, I, I think actually I want to get into like coaching and stuff. So that was so I started like my career there, like PTing. So I was able to um, coach there, sort of during the day, like do my PTs, and then obviously do my jujitsu in the evening. And I think I was there probably about, we was probably there for a year, maybe two. Um, Colin managed to get like another little place um, just down the road. And then uh, Gym 01 opened up, um, which like at the time was this like mega gym. Like you didn't hear of this these sort of things opening up. And um, it was on like two floors. Obviously they had like ring, cage, full on matted area, gym area upstairs you've got even more mat space and and that sort of thing and Colin had been invited to do the um to do the jiu-jitsu there and obviously where I was doing like my PTing and I'd had so much like taekwondo experience I was coaching in taekwondo previously as well they um I basically asked if I could do some kickboxing coaching there with the ladies and stuff like that so that was almost like from then like Jim one like just become my home this was probably 2012 at this point so you've been really doing like kind of full-time training, teaching, competing. Yeah. Like you've never really had to, to deviate to do anything else? Uh, not really. I do have a full-time job as well. Oh, what do you so, do? Yeah. Uh, so I work for my friend's telecommunications company. Okay. I was going to say, like yeah. that sounds like the, absolutely yeah, the dream, right? Just it, a bit of training, a bit of this. It was. Uh, so I was, do, I was doing that um, uh, teaching and training probably until I think it was 2018. Right, and then it just got to a point like I had to get a mortgage on my own and all that sort of thing. So, had to obviously get a, get a regular job as well. So, um, yeah, so I was working for Estee Lauder for a little while, and then this year changed jobs. So, did you do? Did you still keep up like all your kind of coaching and teaching? Yeah, so I was um, really fortunate. Um, so, what I was doing is I was finishing work at three. Um, the, like the PT and kind of stuff uh, no this is when I was um, at Estee Lauder all right so I was finishing Estee Lauder at three and then I'd sort of get get home um, get sorted go to the gym um, start coaching at like half four because that's like after work people yeah after yeah school, exactly yeah so I was right, able to yeah. sort of do that and then the evenings was um, by this point it was obviously like MMA and stuff like that so our sessions were a little bit later anyway 
So um, nice. Yeah. So it was. It worked out. It worked out really well. It was very tiring, but it did work out well. And and so in terms of your your actual training that you do and that you have done, I'm I'm always kind of um, interested to see how people split up their like grappling. Well, even I guess even potentially like jujitsu, wrestling, striking stuff, clinch stuff on the cage, you know, because there's there's actually quite a lot of different disciplines that you need to to train to to be a good sort of mixed martial artist. Yeah, a hundred percent. We was really lucky. Uh, so um, our coach at Gym One, Brian Adams, he um, is very much like. Um, he will like cater for all those things within the session. So we'll like, it would be like Monday will work. Um, Tuesday, you might sort of do more like leg locks and more sort of stuff on the ground. Uh, Wednesdays, more things like chokes. Uh, Thursdays would be your sparring. Saturdays, you'd almost look at sort of blending it together and then you'd sort of like just working like a little cycle. So like maybe like for this month, we're just sort of solidly working on our striking and stuff like that. And then he'd sort of look at the gaps on where you might sort of, benefit with some other stuff so say like for example on a Wednesday we might sort of do work on like our uh, bit of ground game and then he'd be like Jade I don't want you to roll at the end of the session today I want you to go down and do some sparring with the boxers or do some bits with the boxers and because this the gym is so big um we were fortunate enough to sort of uh dip in and out of like um so say if you were lacking a little bit more on the ground you could go to to college jiu-jitsu or you could go to a boxing session could go and um you know work on your kicks and your kickboxing session so it was um so even if like we didn't hit it that particular week with brian there was so much else that you could do at the gym um and it's, it's still like that so we are very lucky to have such a big facility and so many coaches there and all day every day as well so like um literally monday to sunday so so how, how do you know how many sort of people are training in there how many um members are? i think we have uh, i this is i i could be very wrong but i think we have about a thousand members i oh, think wow. so, i could i could be wrong but um and have, a lot of people competing a lot in of people actively competing yeah so we have a lot of um people competing in mma um jiu-jitsu we, we have a huge jiu-jitsu team now which is really really good to see um the kickboxing team and obviously the boxing team li- li- literally all every uh discipline at the gym has a com- competitive team as well so yeah you really got kind of specialists in mm. in whatever you want to practice so so did you did you find when you swapped to from doing the taekwondo into starting doing jiu-jitsu how did you find that? Because I, I, I started off doing Kung Fu and the, the, all the kicking side of the Kung Fu was Taekwondo stuff. So the, the guy who brought this Kung Fu over to the UK, he, he was, he, he'd learned Taekwondo up to kind of black belt level and Kung Fu and then it was kind of a bit of both. So it was all the high kicking stuff and then the more traditional handwork. And so being older than you there was no jiu-jitsu when i was younger it didn't exist i saw ufc one and then thought oh my god this is like obviously you've seen number one (laughs) yeah 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 so i I saw that not not obviously in in real time but like a couple of months after like on a vhs and just was like oh wow this is like not not what i thought fighting was Mm. you know i thought it was all the flying around right but there was no jiu-jitsu. I mean, you know, I looked around, there's like, there was no one in the UK, no one no. even heard of it. Yeah. But when I eventually started trying to learn jiu-jitsu, I found it really difficult to, 
to kind of change my my thinking patterns from say say like the example I always use is like underhooks it took me like six months to to be comfortable going for an underhook instead of wanting to be like blocking someone punching me in the head yeah I get you for me it was like uh, I almost um I almost felt like I'd uh, had like a false sense of security with everything that I'd learned up until then yeah I'd done something for so long and then suddenly I was doing something which to me, I was just like, this is actually like r- real fighting. And like, what have I been doing for however long? You, yeah. I, it was almost like, I almost felt like what I was doing was a little bit of um, a little bit of a con in a way. And then, um, and it, it, sometimes I even forget that I'd done it for that long, to be fair. Like, because I, th- I think I sort of realized the the relevance. Like, there, there was none when I sort of like tran- transitioned to like jujitsu where it is actually like, where you do actually get a bit hurt and you do get a bit banged up and stuff and that didn't happen in Taekwondo. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I always found <coughs> the same kind of, I always had the same kind of internal conversations when I was doing Kung Fu was like, I don't know if this works. Mm. Like in the class, I'm like, I'm all over the place. Yeah. I'm kicking the pads and doing this and stretching and, you know, I look cool. I think you look like a ninja. Yeah, but I, but I never, I always kind of had this, this kind of deep down feeling of like, but I don't really know whether this is this actually works or not. Yeah, you know, and, and I haven't done any MMA at all, but just just from the jujitsu stuff, because of all the grappling, I I feel like I have a much better um, gauge of what I can do and what I can't do. Like mm. in a certain situation, you become very aware. Like if someone gets to here, I'm fucked. Yeah, 100%. But if, if I can just keep the knee here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on their back. Yeah. I've, I've been in that position, fighting for that position like a thousand times. You get it now sort of thing. Yeah. Like I, I sort of um, notice, uh, so say if I've like done like a self-defense session or something like that, and um, you're sort of trying to sort of explain... To, to someone and I remember like when I was doing Taekwondo just thinking oh yeah I'm hard as fuck like just because I can do the, all these kicks and all that sort of thing and then when I sort of started jiu-jitsu and then like and that sort of thing you just realise like someone will literally just pick me up and slam me on my head like yeah, yeah. or if someone just grabs you yeah and, and that's what I sort of have to try and sort of explain like to people like you can do all these like cool fancy martial arts and stuff like don't get me wrong I'm not saying like none of it works but I think that when you make that transition to something a little bit more uh, tougher, I guess, yeah, it's uh, it does open your eyes quite a lot. I think. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's just more realistic because of the range. Mm. Because you know the thing that I always found with with my stand up stuff, and and I would I would think taekwondo kind of suffers from the same thing, is that it's it's very. Um, you're you're at a certain range, and you never really break that range. Mm-hmm. You know, you you stay at kicking distance. Okay, occasionally it, you might bump into each other because you're both spinning in opposite directions. But ultimately, it's relatively safe, isn't it? Like you're yeah. always like yeah, you're, you're not wearing in, headgear and yeah. you're wearing padded mm. shoes and everything else. And and you know, certainly for for the sort of sparring that we did, we we didn't really do full contact, even when it was kind of heavy sparring 
couldn't punch to the head. There was no strikes below the waist at all. So yeah. probably similar to Taekwondo. Yeah, so they, they kick to the body, kick to the front of the head. They started allowing us to do uh, leg kicks. Um, at one point, I think it was um, just because they sort of knew they were possibly losing people to because leg kicks really kind of destroys traditional taekwondo right mm, 100%. This, this, was, this was kind of one of the problems with the when the thai boxers started coming over to fight the kickboxers and the, the sort of taekwondo the western versions of these martial arts and just started nullifying everything yeah yeah exactly that was the thing and to be honest like that was um that was when i sort of knew that my time with taekwondo was was done really um it was getting to the point when i was sort of watching all these like ufc events and all that sort of thing and uh seeing all these brutal fights and thinking oh yeah i'm gonna i don't care if i have a bleeding nose whatever and say if i like went a bit hard like in um against someone my instructor would like call me out on it and be like you're going too hard and I'd be like but we're we're sparring like this is meant to be hard and um I think at that point that was when I sort of knew that like this maybe wasn't for me anymore and um like I said I'd already sort of started to sort of want to to move on from there anyway but I think it was like very apparent that it was that was very much a traditional sport martial art that and you know and I think that's the that's the kind of the blessing and the curse of those things is that you, you do get very good at that specialized sort of set of skills, you know, whatever whatever they are that you're that you're learning. But you know, I, I found certainly with with my kung fu that those guys were very kind of blinkered in like this is our system. Yeah. This, we don't do that. We don't do this stuff. It's not part of, yeah. of, of our thing. And um, you know, it's difficult because it's like with anything, you know, if you if you invest a lot of time and energy and money and whatever into something and then someone comes along and goes, oh, this is kind of potentially better, but you start from white belt. Yeah. A lot of people are like, mm, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, when I when I walk into my gym, I'm Sifu, right? But when I walk into that gym, it's like, no, no, you're you're going to be food for the yeah, first exactly. kind of yeah exactly yeah and it, right? it's hard to go back to it's that hard for yeah the ego to, yeah 100% to... like i remember like so i went from like the highest belt in my uh, taekwondo club to then walking into collins gym and i remember i turned up i had a tap out t-shirt on uh <laughs> had done some mma at this like gym which obviously was a bit dodgy and then uh, i remember seeing like the smallest guy there thinking like oh what a little weed and um he smashed me and like now, like when I I like still roll with him now, I'm like I still sort of like think back to that. And if I like have a good round against him, I'm like oh, nearly got him. <laughs> like, but that's after like however many years. But I yeah, I just always remember being like so humbled. Um, and it was in a weird way, it was very nice as well. It was, and then it was almost nice to go back to not having any um st- standard of myself. Like say if I had like a, a shit session back at Taekwondo, I'd be gutted. Yeah. But like then when you go when you're suddenly a beginner at something again, you don't have that expectation. It's almost enjoyable to to start from from scratch in in a way and not have the eyes on you that you should be something. Yeah, and you, and you you learn so much as mm. well because I've you know I found as I progressed, so I got to black belt and then you kind of three quarters of most classes you've done. Yeah. 30 times before and mm. you're, then you're helping out and you're yeah. kind of teaching a bit and you know you just 
show them this how you do the kick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you're not you're not actually really pushing to no. learn a lot of new stuff. And then when you get into actually something new as a beginner, you you do have that kind of amazing yeah. like explosion and, of wow. and it's just exciting again. It's it's mad like to just do something that you're just I, I thought that I knew some stuff because like I'd watched some UFC and like had a little grapple on the trampoline. But like um but clearly not like that as a thing and then when you sort of realize how intricate it is and even now like I say to people that are like starting jiu-jitsu like um don't expect to pick it up for a little bit like very difficult to, so to, to, to learn at the beginning mm. I, I, I really did feel and I still some days feel but but it took me like maybe two three years to not feel like I was just in a washing machine mm. at some point you're going in the washing machine like, exactly. even if you think you know where you are nope someone goes here they start rolling yeah, you start yeah. rolling you I, grab I was something. good and clearly not <laughs> yeah and, it, and it's all over the place but I think as well you know it, this is this is um like probably my favorite memory and experience of jujitsu and I think you know maybe it's, it's kind of a little bit what you just said with this this guy that you rolled with in the, the first session mm. and I think this is like the thing that determines for people are you you're going to be a jujitsu person or you're not a jujitsu person is the first time someone just destroys you you either go oh this is amazing this is yeah. like magic I need to learn this yeah or you go this is That's horrendous. Like, yeah. I'm never going there again. 100%. This is terrible. Yeah, no, I get you. Like you that. Know, people have that. You can see when you get them in their first class or first roll or whatever, and you just cross face them like really yeah. hard. And some people, they get up from it and they're like, this is amazing. You know, it's that. I, I want oh. to learn that. I want to do that to someone. Yeah, I want to be able to yeah. do that to someone. Because I remember particularly like with the cross face, with that just normal side control. Because I'd seen a bit of people training and this video and that my friend's doing something and he's showed me whatever whatever and i always remember thinking like i just don't understand why the bottom guy don't just stand up yeah how do they not how are they just not getting up can't you just push him off yeah like or if they're so much smaller well surely you can just roll here like just yeah. like, no <laughs> and then the first time i got cross face and i was like, like i've said this so many times on the podcast i just remember thinking like i could die here and no one would even know I was dying. Yeah, it yeah. just looks like I'm just lying yeah. about that everything's just going dark and uh, I don't know what to do. I just think, uh, someone said to me the other day, they, they said they remember their first role and they said they've never done something where they felt so helpless. And it was from then that they were like, I want to yeah. learn how to do that. But I fully understand, like, that. I haven't ever sort of looked at it like that. But, um, yeah, like thinking of it like that like i'm doing something where i literally have no control over anything yeah like i suppose when you're striking there's always that element like you might be able to just throw a haymaker and just catch a lucky shot but with like jujitsu and like the ground stuff it, it doesn't work like that yeah i think that's the for me that's the big difference with with striking is that there's there's a there's a really significant element of speed strength physical ability you know if you put somebody who's never really done a lot of striking training but who's a you know 16 stone rugby player used to get knocked about a bit and you're good and you're 10 stone they're gonna, they're gonna 100%, smash you. yeah you know where they probably smash you on the jiu-jitsu mat as well to a degree yeah. but the, the thing with the jiu-jitsu is that 
especially when you're a beginner and you don't know what you're doing, is that the other your your partner is moving reasonably slow. But it's just everything you think you're about to do, you're like, oh, I'm going to move my hand. And then you go, oh, shit, I can't move my hand. Yeah. Right, I'm going to move my foot. Oh, shit, I can't move my foot. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not, you don't get overwhelmed. It's like, you know, it's like Jenga. It's yeah. like you just end up being like, well, I've got to pull that piece out and I know it's going to fall over. Like, exactly that. I've got nothing else That's to a good do. way to describe it, to be fair. Yeah. I like that, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it, you know, and, and I think that is, that is the hook for like jujitsu people is that you realise like, I want to learn how to do this to someone else. Mm. This is a really kind of just mind-blowing experience 100% like what it's weird when I sort of uh if I sit there and I think like what do I think about of a day it's just pretty much that like even like just really like pointless stuff but it all sort of still stems like it comes down to what I'm doing on the mats yeah um which is why I sort of find it so fascinating like how you can and everyone says the same thing. Like, I've got a guy at work at the moment who's, uh, he's like, I, I want to start jujitsu. And we we're like, oh, yeah. And he said, well, everyone that I meet who does it is obsessed with it. And I was like, it was, it was that that sort of triggered this, me thinking about this. And I was like, yeah, he, oh, he's right. just me. Yeah, he's, he's right. Like, we are all like, obsessed with it. Yeah. But it's just so good. It uh, is. Yeah. It is. So, so once you started training uh, initially, over the road, and then you got to the O one, mm-hmm. yeah, Jim O one, yeah, Jim O one. How how long did you train before you started competing? Uh, in MMA. So did you did you compete jujitsu? I competed jujitsu, yeah. So I was like competing in that. Um, moved over to Jim O one. Um, at the time, like I was still doing a bit of jujitsu, but there was so much other stuff going on that I wanted to get involved in. I wanted to learn a bit of boxing. Um, wanted to do MMA like MMA was always the main goal um the kickboxing was obviously on and at the time I almost had that freedom to sort of play around in but I still was really enjoying jiu-jitsu um but then it sort of come to a point where I sort of had to just take my foot off the gas a little bit of jiu-jitsu to be able to get the time in to do like the other bits and bobs so I was doing like some kickboxing during the day in the evenings I was doing MMA. I could have done like the two like two sessions back to back, like MMA and jiu-jitsu. But what I was finding, and as I still find this now to be fair, if I like do two sessions back to get back to back, my attention span just isn't quite there for the second session. So it was almost like something had to I had to just stop something somewhere. And because I wanted to do MMA, like and by this point I'd already got my blue belt and stuff like that, I almost had to sort of make that conscious effort to to stop to slow down jiu-jitsu a little bit so I could move on and do the MMA and kickboxing um initially I was just doing uh I was doing like a bit more kickboxing um because there wasn't at the time at Jim O1 there wasn't really many really small people they was all sort of like bantam weights and up and they were massive like compared to me I was like quite a bit heavier but not naturally heavy I shouldn't I've just fat basically and um so I was um doing like a little bit more kickboxing and the, the um, owner of the gym, uh, he, he's head kickboxing coach, he's he come over and said, um, do you fancy a fight on Shock and Awe? So Jim O'One own a big show in the South called Shock, Shock and Awe and they do kickboxing fights, MMA fights. They've had some really big uh, fighters on their really big names and they said, do you want a kickboxing fight? And I was like, oh, I do want to do MMA but I thought, at the time as well, there wasn't really female, many female MMA fighters in the UK. And I was like, this may be my only shot to fight on Shock and Awe. 
Um, and I was like, yeah, okay. And I fought this uh, girl, I think I fought at like 65 kilos. And this girl was massive and she was a Muay Thai fighter from the Navy. I was like proper scared. Um, and yeah, she was like giant compared to me, but I ended up winning by TKO. Um, and I just loved the experience like so much that I was like, yeah, like I, I definitely want to like do that, do this again. Um, but then by this point it was like starting to then move more into MMA, like doing more MMA sessions. Um, was starting to obviously get better, like in terms of actually like, cause what I'd sort of done was, this is why I forget that I'd done Taekwondo. So I, I sort of just transitioned it, if that makes sense. Like I, I sort of, um, I, my kicks are fancy and, and stuff, but I, I don't have that sort of real traditional Taekwondo style. So I was able just to sort of take everything that was relevant and just move it into kickboxing and move it into MMA. So like my striking was like relatively good. I'd already obviously got my blue belt in jiu-jitsu. Um, so like my grappling was, was like decent. And I sort of realized that I like could actually be quite well-rounded. Um, and obviously that was how I sort of, my coach, like uh, Brian, so he he's uh, one of the owners at Gemo One as well. He was um, sort of like would always be like, "You're like one of the most skilled fighters in the gym. Like you need to like do this." So that was how I sort of then got into MMA. Yeah, I think I think maybe in in that way, like doing a, a more traditional martial art for such a long time because you just weren't aware that there was anything else. It does then once you plug that into your MMA it does actually give you like a real advantage at that outside kind of range because yeah. your timing and your flexibility and your ability to read distance and catch yeah. people coming and it, in. And there's just things that I was doing that like other people weren't able to do. Um, but one of my, like my last fight actually, um, I fought Lanchana Green and she said to me straight away, she was like, um, or she said, oh, we were doing like this camp was just like, trying to work out like where you're going to be kicking from and it, that was sort of like something that I didn't even appreciate that I had in my locker as you know sort of thing but um it was stuff that I was doing like all the time and like I said I just sort of just transitioned it to to suit MMA so it wasn't like just point scoring it was actually like a little bit more effective and stuff or you know making it work within a combination somewhere else or setting something else up yeah, I mean, I, uh, Stephen Thompson fought again recently. Mm, yeah, and, you know, he's a he's a yeah, good yeah. example of that. Of like, you know, if you can't close the distance, you just you're going to lose on points. Yeah. Basically, he's just going to pick you, pick you, pick exactly. Pick. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it's it's it's. Uh, I guess it's nice to have that kind of because um, it. I mean, you always start on opposite side of the cage, right? Yeah, you got to get from exactly. nowhere near each other to near each yeah. other so you always have that kind of opportunity on the way in yeah to dig a few and you can almost like use your feet as like jabs like yes. that's that's what's like so yeah so good about it you yeah, know yeah and, yeah, yeah um, because i guess most of the kind of more um sounds weird saying traditional mma kicking but it's probably more muay thai kind of range leg kicks you know if you're if you just yeah. go in and say i want to learn mma yeah definitely you're not going to learn no no 100 percent. yeah it'll be, kicks. Yeah. you're going to learn your teeth your leg kicks yeah. yeah 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 so so you know that that is possibly stuff that you're not actually used to seeing them hook kicks that exactly around yeah. the side of your hands and, and and that's the thing like i was very fortunate to be able to sort of have that in like my repertoire as such and and that sort of thing. And and you, you do see it a lot more now, like people sort of using using those sort of kicks. And like you said, like someone like Wonderboy, yeah. like doing like what he does with them, like 
he he makes it work really well. Yeah, and then and then it becomes fashionable again, right? You see, yeah, exactly, you see yeah. that's why the everyone's mm. like, oh, I want to learn yeah. that. Yeah, so so after that, so you did the kickboxing fight, and then yeah. and then how long until you had a MMA? I think it was probably probably about a year, maybe slightly less. Um, I think actually, I think I made my kickboxing debut in 2013, and then my MMA debut in 2014. And how many how many fights more or less have you have you? Had? Uh, I don't even know to be fair. I don't. I I had. Um, I only had three am, Ami fights at, right. um, in MMA, and then I went into pro MMA from there. Uh, just because the pond like it just wasn't very big, um, and pretty much all of us have all fought each other at some point as well. Um, was, so, was there a big difference going between amateur and pro? Um, or was it this everyone was just like well we can't do this what, do you know that. what what I'd say about like females is that we're all in we're obviously all tough like I, it's, I don't think it's massively different from like um, male like fighting but like I always think with like female MMA there's not many of us like there's not many female like in the grand scheme of things, it's just not as many. So in general, they're all going to be tough. They're all going to be, like, decent. So that sort of jump between AMI MMA to pro MMA, everyone's good anyway. Uh, that that was sort of, that's how I've always looked at it. Um, like I said, like, my first fight was against Fion. And I think uh, I think she'd only been doing judo at this point. I think she, um, I don't th know if she had transitioned to, uh, to jiu-jitsu or not. Um, but yeah, obviously she was my first fight and, uh, but she could have easily been pro there and then, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think, um, like I said, I, for females, I don't think it, at the time the, the jump was that huge. But um, she, but when you fought her, she wasn't sort of on the level that she's at now in terms no, of recognition. No, and not at all. Uh, she, she, I know that she had done, she'd been very successful in judo. Uh, and people knew her in judo. We had a guy that trained with us who was a Commonwealth champ, and he knew of her and um, and stuff like that. So she obviously was um, uh, at a high level in in that. And um, I remember, like, uh, me and um, my friend, like, just doing some stuff that maybe she wouldn't expect. Uh, I remember I, I like caught her with um, an overhand. It was like pretty much the only shot I threw, and then she just like dragged me to the mat. And she had she had me in a crucifix position. And she was working for something. I managed to get out, uh, and then she got me in an Americana. And I just remember thinking, oh, I've got work on Monday, and like I, t I tapped. Um, but at the same time, I was like, uh, I want to do it again. And like I knew that at that point as well, I was in the wrong weight category, um, and that sort of thing. I knew that I had to get better, um, and that you know I wasn't this like phenom like I was like in Taekwondo. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like you know, I mean, there's always levels, isn't it? As, mm. as good as you get. There's always like another level to move into. Exactly, you know, and and the thing is, is like there's a huge difference between being good at taekwondo and being good at judo. Like yeah. that's that's a thing. Like and that's that's very like that's just something that I really sort of noticed. Um, you know, and like obviously we know like how good Fion's like become like from there. Like, um, so yeah, my sort of my like little taekwondo school was no match for like that sort of thing. And so, 
the 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 MMA were were you doing competing jujitsu and kickboxing and stuff while you were doing that run of, of um, so I've done uh, I'm just sort of trying to think to be fair I've done so much that I almost forget um, so I was doing every now and again I'd sort of like go back to jujitsu for a little bit if I but again it was still like my main goal was like the was MMA and like um, wanted to eventually get into the UFC and all that sort of thing um, I sort of done like more in the clubs and stuff for the kickboxing but because I'd like had that fight that shock and awe fight I was like yeah I'm, I'm happy with that and then because I then started had my uh, MMA fight from there it was almost like just putting more time and effort into that um, so sort of um, think about four months later I probably had my, my next MMA fight uh, won that one went on to fight again a couple of months later won that one and then I went pro after that um so then I was like fighting pro from 2015 uh to 2021 uh but to be fair I think uh in I only think I had about six or seven fights at pro to be fair thinking about it I, I can't I really can't remember to be fair now so um, kind of like one a year almost yeah like it was one of those things I'd have a fight maybe like it wouldn't go my way and I'd have to really sort of go back to the drawing board it was one of those things I absolutely love training like even now I absolutely love training I don't I I love competing but I don't necessarily well obviously everyone like no one likes losing but I hate losing so much that it actually puts me off competing so that was really what hindered me in terms of MMA I, I feel like I think I'd I, didn't want to lose that much to actually stop me competing. Have you seen uh, the Last Dance with uh, yeah. Michael Jordan? Yeah, oh, I loved it. Yeah, you yeah. know, like he, that he wouldn't even go and play. You know, when he used to play Penny up the wall, with yeah, the and he wouldn't play. He wouldn't go to get ready to play basketball until he'd beaten them for their dimes up against the wall. Yeah, you know, it was so competitive. I love love that. Like I thought it was, um, I thought it was really really good. But yeah, I think I think I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna compete, you know, at a pro level at anything. I think that has to be built into you because otherwise you do become like just a body bag, right? You're just yeah, like, oh, I'm just, that's I'm the just thing, going because yeah. it's Saturday. And it was one of those things as well, like no matter how good I was doing in training, for some reason it never like... Translated. Translated onto the, on, into, onto, on the day. Like it was, and it was really frustrating for me like to see. And I had like a few really good performances that I was like, yes, like now I've really found my, like, my way. And then like might have like a really good performance and then like a really shit one and then it was like oh sort of back to this sort of drawing board again and then uh you know there was one fight I was I knew that I was very overtrained for it um and like I, I just lost like really badly and then I was like oh great so then by that point it was like I, I need to obviously take a bit of time off again and and stuff like that my ex at the time wasn't very happy with me doing it so that was like another battle like that I was sort of trying to juggle um at home so that was sort of hindering a lot when I sort of look back now is um there was a lot of factors which were sort of which but maybe if I like done maybe if I took myself now and was to do it maybe I would have thrived but you know at the time there was a lot of other additional factors that that probably wasn't helping um, but, but that, that's, it is that's what it is. That's life, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, so yeah. I think I think you know often looking looking from the outside, you know, when say say I'm watching UFC, and uh, and you, you just kind of think like, oh well, these guys are like pro athletes, so like 
all they do is train and recover and uh, nothing else. Mm. But actually, no, you got a family and you got this and yeah. you got that and you need to move house. And mm. Exactly, all yeah. All these kind You're, of things happen. For example, like I was like trying to train, get like you get moaned at that you weren't home in good time and stuff like that. And, you know, that was really hard work really really hard to like trying to manage just life around that so you sort of didn't want to lose like either thing you know so you're sort of trying to make yourself happy by like doing your training by that point however long's gone past and you haven't fought and so then getting back you're almost getting back into like uh trying to get past a little bit of ring rust again and and it was just i think it was just like constantly like that um the last fight i had in 2021 i was able to really sort of just put all my time and effort into it um had a really good camp leading up to it um i've i've always like done well like making weight and that sort of thing um yeah I, I felt amazing for it but then just literally on like during the fight this is my one with lanchana i literally got like probably like midway through like the the fight and just was like I, i'm happy now i'm just content and i was sort of like i i feel like i've accomplished what i need to accomplish which is really bizarre like uh, I'm, and then i remember panicking because i had this like weird epiphany like <laughs> mid-fight um and then uh, then I, by that point i was like I, I i am actually done and then like she managed, like she caught me in the solar plexus and i was fully done um and then i sort of like went away from that like back to the um you know back to the locker room and i was like i knew that i'd had this feeling um and i i sort of try was trying to con convince myself that like no 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 like I, I i just lost like it was just one of those things and sort of went back to the gym was still sort of trying to sort of in my head just sort of like work out like oh no i i do still want to fight and stuff i am still like here and still really enjoying this and blah 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 and then i think it just sort of got to a point where i was just like uh like having having a conversation like with my uh boyfriend was he was just like uh maybe you're just done and like it was when he said that that i was like I think you're right, but it's almost like coming to that realization. I, you know, I'd had that happen in the fight. It took a little. I was almost in a little bit of denial. I think because it had almost been like my identity for so long, even though I hadn't been like on, you know, con consistently fighting, I'd still sort of been like dipping in, dipping out, and stuff like that, having fights here and there. Um, and then, yeah, when he sort of said that, I was like, y yeah, I think you're right. And he was like, why don't you just go back to jujitsu and just put all your efforts into that? And I was like. Uh, I might do actually and then I did and then I was like I've just enjoyed it so much more and and I don't regret now sort of like having that moment where I was a bit like unsure like I'm glad I didn't force it with MMA I like if I really wanted to go back to it I could I could have done but I, I I didn't and I think once I sort of started just doing more jiu-jitsu I was just just loved it and yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, a few people certainly that I've spoken to, but a lot of people, um, you know, the more well-known fighters, it it's, seems like a very um, common transition after fighting mm. MMA to go into jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Because still, it still has that kind of competitive element and maybe even slightly more cerebral mm. and tactical and slightly less physical because you're not going to get punched in the face or kicked in the teeth yeah. or whatever. So as you get a little bit older, I think it kind of plays to, to being more mature as a martial artist. Jiu-Jitsu actually becomes 
what you should be doing. Yeah, that 100%. suits you as you get yeah, older. You know, definitely, and you can manage it around life yeah. as well. Like you know, I can have a full time job and train, and it not be an issue, and you know, still have like a, a social life outside. Like it, it's it's literally no bother. Mm. Um, whereas MMA is a little bit different. But something else I sort of like uh, that dawned on me a little bit as well when I sort of when I sort of had this moment where I was like, I think I'm done. Um, it, I remember sort of like traveling back and when I was sort of like thinking about it, like trying, just trying to reflect and trying to work out while I was having this feeling. Like, I think I was still looking at things like, I just want to compete and I enjoy training and blah, blah, blah. Whereas like these other girls who are like coming up through the ranks and who are a little bit younger, I thought they actually want to like take my face off. <laughs> like, and I never looked at it like that. And I, you know, other people were a little bit more, I don't know, they're like animals. Whereas I'm just like, oh yeah, I just, I just like doing martial arts. Mm. Like, and I think that that was almost like a little, where I sort of had to like realize that maybe, maybe it wasn't for me anymore as well. Yeah. Which, whereas jujitsu, you know, you still have that intensity, yeah. but it's intensity to, to kind of out maneuver the other person exactly, like, rather yeah. than to hurt someone and so much they can't fight anymore. You're constantly sort of thinking about bettering yourself. Mm. Like, you know, you, it, the mindset's almost ever so slightly different. Like, uh, that match on Polaris that I had, my biggest goal was like just, or, or no, sorry, it was before that. So I, I competed in Sardinia and my goal was just like, I just want to do better than I did the last match I had. Whereas that was never a goal in MMA. Like, it, it's just, it's almost just like a completely different mindset and a completely different outlook. But I, I, I just love it, to be honest. Mm. Um, like I said earlier, like everyone who does it is just obsessed with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've had a lot of jujitsu people in on the podcast and, and, you know, most people kind of have the same sentiment, which is if I didn't have jujitsu, I don't know what I'd do. Oh, like my I, whole life would fall yeah, apart. Yeah, I'd be so bored. Like, the thing is, obviously, I, I'd find something. Like, I'd, I'd be doing probably, like, striking or something else. I, I, I still do, like, Muay Thai once a week and, and stuff like that. Um, and, like, coach uh, the kids and, like, uh, like, I coach kids kickboxing. So I still, like, have, like, that... Um, um, that sort of side of it it's not like i've just neglected like striking or anything like that but you've got all of that in your gym right yeah yeah so i think, I think most people really they're fortunate. in a jiu-jitsu club so yeah. they're like that's their whole that's their experience yeah it's just the jiu-jitsu whereas you can actually have that kind of banter and camaraderie with the kickboxing exactly guys and yeah the boxing but guys I, and... I am very lucky in in that sense and can sort of like bounce between the two so like recently i've um i've just had a really bad knee for like for ages and um but it's like I'm still able to go there. Like I can actually just go and like work out instead and still see everyone. So it's almost like even though I'm not able to train like I ha have been like previous like to the injury, it's I can still, I'm not really out of it. And I'm like, oh, I'm so bored. But ultimately I, I'm not struggling that much because I am still, still in this there. place. Yeah, yeah, I am still there. So so just shifting gears a little bit and, and just to go back and, and dig into something that you you'd mentioned a bit earlier. I'm I'm interested to know your thoughts on kind of self-defense, mm. teaching self-defense. Can you teach self-defense, women's self-defense? Um, because I think I think it was Spencer who was saying um, that if you if you take two people and one of them you you learn self-defense in inverted commas three times <laughs> a week, and then the other guy does Thai boxing twice a week, jiu-jitsu twice a week, and wrestling once a week. 
and then they have an altercation, everyone knows what's going to happen, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Hammered. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to, to know your thoughts on it as a woman martial artist because, it's you know, as a, as a guy, you can have opinions on teaching kids or women mm. self-defence, but I'm interested it, to know it's, what it's, you think. I think it's a really hard one. Um, like, whenever I've taught, like, a session, like... Uh, in terms of self-defense like I always say to the women like I have x amount of experience like I've been doing this since I was five I, I think I have about 28 years experience at this point or something ridiculous like but I still would not risk like I wouldn't put myself at risk from like anything like that because you still don't know what could happen like it so someone could be completely untrained like, like I said earlier could literally just pick you up and slam you on your face you know or I don't know, grab you by the hair and hit you around the head, back of the head. Like there's still sort of, there's still nothing stopping those sort of things. I'd like, don't get me wrong, I'd like to think I'd have a little bit more of a, an, an understanding or a little bit of a, more of a chance if, if someone was to like maybe get you to the floor or something like that. But I still wouldn't willingly go and sort of put myself in, in those sort of positions, um, which is what I sort of always sort of trying to exp explain to people. Um, but I always sort of say as well, like, I think if you have a little bit of understanding, you almost, you know, like we were saying earlier, like how things like humble you and stuff like that. I think when you're almost like a, you have that little bit of an understanding, it does humble you to like those sort of situations. You know that you're not invincible. Um, I know that, well, there, there's, um, there's like a, a road like from um, the gym, like to that, it's like a bridge basically. So uh, there's a bridge that you can, um, cross to get to the gym is like a little shortcut and uh sometimes i'll just cycle to the gym and there's been a few times that like i've seen like a group of people there and i've been a little bit like wary and all that sort of thing and, and then it's got to a point where i've been like oh, I, I can't go that way like because it's you just don't know um and i remember someone else sort of like making a comment saying oh they they go that way as a female and someone was like oh you go that way at night and she was like oh yeah all i'd have to do is throw a head kick and that'd be the end of it and you know and you're like I think you're living in a dream world, love. Like, I, like, well, after everything that I've done, I still would not put myself, like, in that position that, you know, something could happen. Um, you yeah, I mean, especially against more than one oh, person. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, lining I, someone up yeah, for a head kick and yeah, someone else I, standing I don't behind think that. you. Right? <laughs> I wouldn't even try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, cause I, I mean, I, I think with the, with the self defense, you know, my, my, um, concern with it always is is whether it gives people a false sense of security you, know, you go oh you're yeah. going to do six sessions and you're going to learn this this and that and that, yeah. and that but i mean really it's like yeah you need to probably go jujitsu three times a yeah, week and I, start and to tie boxing and get fit and run 100 percent. like when um when i'm sort of um it's like it's always like show the kids like just some escapes if someone was to grab you and stuff like that and we go over it quite a lot and they're always like, this is boring. Like, why are, we, why are we still doing it? And it's like, because I don't, if someone grabs you, I want it to be that that's just, you just know how to get away. Yeah. I like, um, and it's not, you don't have to sit there and think about it. But I, I remember when I was a kid, like there's only my friend messing around. He sort of got me in like a, I don't like, you know, like a schoolboy headlock. And we used to do these sort of like escapes um, at Taekwondo. And I'd done this escape to him. He, he was a really big guy, um, my friend was. And he grabbed me and, um, and I'd done this escape to him. And he was like, bloody hell, how did you do that? And I was like, oh. It, I was so like glad that it was such like second nature. Um, 
but that's why I've always sort of done that with the kids like just because that was just someone messing around so and that sort of just come like so quick so that's that's why I sort of you know it isn't just a one-off or you know like you said six six sessions and that's it yeah you have to do these things all the time and I still don't know what would happen. Like, say if, say if, like, God forbid, say if something did happen, I'd like to think that my instincts would kick in and I'd be able to do something. But we still don't necessarily know. Like, you don't know until it happens, unfortunately. Like, but I like to think I've done enough that I would. But I think that's the key, isn't it? Is like, it's your instincts. Because mm. if you've done six sessions like a year ago you're, you don't <laughs> yeah. have any instincts no Your instinct exactly is what it's gone you for forgot about tonight. it yeah. yeah yeah you don't you know it is it does always come down to something that you've done so many times that becomes you know it's like riding a bicycle mm. right if someone just puts you on a bicycle and pushes you like you you balance yeah. the pedal you don't have to think like oh which foot goes up and which mm. foot goes down you know i think it, it has to be like that for it to even have a chance of of being successful Otherwise, you know, you're still trying to remember what did we do on lesson three? Oh yeah, is it exactly a bit late for yeah, yeah. You can't think now. about that at that point. Yeah, yeah. But so, I find it super interesting. To be fair, like um, you know, when you sort of whenever I've sort of like ran these sessions and I, I sort of try and explain it, and I I do always say like your your best thing is to come like two sessions. You know, whether it's kickboxing, whether it's um, grappling, like, and I think that when you've done something. I don't know what it is. You tend to, you do just have that little bit more awareness than someone that maybe hasn't. I think done the, these the sort awareness of is key, isn't mm. it? Is is actually, I don't know if you're if you know Jeff Thompson. Watch my back. Is is probably a little bit before your time. He was a he still is. He, he was a doorman in um, Coventry as an author, mm -hmm. and um, you'd 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 really like it. Actually, there's a there's a really good book called Watch My Back that okay. he wrote. Um, so he basically um, was a sweeping factory floors in Coventry, being abused when he was a kid, had a terrible relationship, had you know hated his life basically, and he he built he he, he created this thing called the fear pyramid. So he drew a little pyramid on an, on each step. He put all the things in his life he wanted to deal with. Um, so his job, his relationship, etc. And he he dealt with them one by one and the top of his pyramid it was a fear of physical confrontation mm. so he went and got a job as a doorman on the door of the worst club in Coventry God. his plan was <laughs> to go for one night yeah see like can I get through one night and get over my fear and he ended up staying there for 20 years oh and becoming the head doorman and going being sent to other clubs to sort out when they you know was out of control and stuff but he he kind of developed this whole system um, which he called the fence, mm -hmm. which was always about kind of maintaining distance. Um, but long, long story short, he was saying like, um, if you've got three factories and one of them's got a massive fuck off wall around it, it's the least likely to get burgled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to go to the other two factories first because they're easy targets. And, you know, that that probably condenses like half of the book into kind of that is like once you make yourself a more difficult target, exactly someone's going to go, mm, I'm probably going to wait 100%. for someone else. And that, that's like something that like I've always like said, like whether it's been like to the kids or, or in when I've like run like the, the sessions for the, for the ladies, like it sounds really nasty 
but you kicking up such a fuss and maybe making them think, oh, this is a little bit hard, <laughs> then they they might not think it's worth their time. Yeah. Like, and uh, and as I've always like said, like it sounds horrible, but then they just might try and choose someone that's just a little bit easier. And um, but that's that's the reality but, yeah. of a lot of situations, mm. isn't it? Is is if somebody wants to 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 get up to no good, mm. they they're gonna do it. They just have to choose who's gonna be you know entangled exactly in that. And yeah and you and if you, it's not you then if great. you can sort of eliminate that opportunity for them and the the problem is is like i always like you use like walking home like um as like an like a good example like i um my house doesn't have a driveway so i have to sometimes i have to i can park outside sometimes i have to park down the next road and i don't i've tried to eliminate that opportunity but I have to park somewhere. So like, I, I, you know, I've chosen to park down the next road. So there's a possible opportunity for someone, but I need to eliminate like the next part, which would be like, if something was to happen, what, what can I do? So I always sort of like look at things like that. And, you know, I think by having a little bit of something, um, you know, whether, whether it is jujitsu, whether it's a striking, like you've just taken that other little element away from them. The mm. opportunity is there. Unfortunately, like you can't escape them all, but like, yeah, that's just another little opportunity gone. Then, if you have a little bit of, yeah. have a little bit of something. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of having that having that plan. I think Jeff he used to uh, talk about that you've got uh, like a traffic light system. Mm -hmm. So green would be like you're at home, you're at home, you're watching a film, whatever. You're you're on a green, right? There's there's threat level is virtually nothing. But he he said you know most of the time if I'm outside I'm on an amber. And he said an amber is like um, wearing a seatbelt when you drive. Yeah. You don't wear a seatbelt because you think you're going to have an accident. You wear a seatbelt because you're aware that you could have an accident. Mm. So it's not like, oh, I've got to plug it in because something bad might happen yeah. to me. It's like, no, I'll put it on because if something happens, I'm wearing a seatbelt. Yeah. I think that's, you know, it's, it's that kind of, it's, it's just there in the background. Mm. Like, okay, you know, like what shoes have I got on? Is it slippery? Yeah. Like, do I have a, like a scarf around my neck, something that could get grabbed or whatever, just is it kind of, or a bag or something. And, and once you become, I think, a little bit more aware of those yeah. things, then you do become like a just, you can just see some people you're like, don't want to mess around with that <laughs> yeah, person, yeah. right? There's other people you think <laughs> they look really soft. Yeah. And there's some people where you think, no, that's, yeah. that's trouble over there. I just like put a little bit more of a strut on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe that's enough. So, um, yeah, you just got your brown belt. Yeah. Long, how was that? Long time coming. Um, so I got, been, how, how long did you say to me, when did you start training Jiu-Jitsu? Uh, so when I was 17, so that would have been 2008. So, and, and so <laughs> 2023, November this year, you got your brown belt. Yeah, yeah. so I, I got my purple belt in 2016. And the the thing is, is like, I completely get it because obviously I have like been sort of dipping out, you know, do, doing other bits and bobs. And so, you know, I, I, like I said, like earlier, I don't regret like any of my like journey at all. But then like when I went back to solely like doing jujitsu, I was like, right, I'm going to get this brown belt really easy. I've been doing like loads of MMA, so I'm like really good blah 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 and obviously that wasn't like the case so I have had to like really like graft and work at it but um and my my friend like said ages ago he was like you wait mate he was like when you get the brown belt he was like 
it will mean a lot and obviously when I got it it did definitely mean a lot and um Kerry the girl um that I fought on Polaris uh we're friends anyway we went away together uh, back in August and she was like, mate, when we uh, when we get our brown belt, it's going to be amazing. And um, I was like, yeah, but we was like, I wonder who will get it first. And we was like, it'll be about the same time, be about the same time. We competed on Polaris together. I think she got hers the week after. Obviously, I got mine at the end of the month. So we were both like still really close. Like and like we always like say like it's, it's cool. Like we've done all these like little bits like together. Like so we obviously competed on the show together we always like said that it would be amazing it was and then obviously we got our, our belts like shortly after together as well so yeah because brown belt is like i mean when i i remember when i started training i always wanted to get to purple belt mm. like brown was so far away it wasn't even a thing i was like if i can get a purple belt yeah i will that will be like that's jujitsu yeah like, if you just say to someone yeah, I'm a purple belt. It's like they know, okay, you're you're good. You're good. Brown yeah. belt is like I couldn't it's, it's I a couldn't myth. even like, yeah, 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 that's that's like, how I always looked at it. Yeah. Beyond. I remember someone saying to me, um, like uh my fellow like saying something like, Oh yeah, um Jade's a purple belt and they were like, Wow and then when they said that I was like, Yeah, I'm a purple belt like thinking, Oh yeah, that is a big deal, purple belt and I think at the time I had like two stripes. I was like, Yeah, purple belt, two stripes and I was like, Yeah, that is a big deal and then like now I've got this, I'm like Oh my god, this is like serious stuff now. I mean, brown belt. Re realistically, brown belt is all, you're almost at black belt level. Yeah, it's kind of just refining your what yeah, you, how and you play. I and think like putting like the time into like your like uh, progression, like as as a martial artist. Not necessarily like. Don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean like oh yeah, I'm I'm done competing or anything like that. But I think I think the the game almost changes a little bit at brown belt. Yeah, because you got point. you got the toe holds and knee yeah bars and, all that, and I, right? I think and you've done you've almost put in all the work like with your competing and all that sort of thing and all all that sort of side I think I think by brown belt it's it's almost I don't know I don't know how to explain it it's almost like um uh you almost give back about that sort of point I think that's the point you start to give back and that that sort of thing reflects on you getting the black belt that's how I always look at it yeah yeah I I I, I um I find it kind of weird um so I'm, I, I'm on my purple belt and my wife trains and she's on a blue belt and um she, like we've had a couple of conversations and I've, I've 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 said this a few times before is that it's weird because when you start out like you would look at a brown belt and you'd be like, man, they're like, they're like scientists, yeah. like, this yeah. is like a different thing. And then when you sort of get there, you're like, I'm like still me. Like I can mm. still make mistakes. I can still yeah. put, do wrong stuff and forget how to do this and fucking close <laughs> my triangle on the my wrong belt. side. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's kind of weird. It's a, it's a weird kind of, I don't know, part of, of life of, of, sort of achieving things and then realising that like you're still just like you. Yeah. Still like, just turn up and train and someone said to me, um, from another gym actually, like when I got the got it, she like messaged me, she was like, You've been that a, a long time and I was like, Do you think? And she was like, Yeah. So so and that at that sort of point it, it doesn't come down to like, oh you're suddenly just this belt. It's almost like you just gotta go for a few things like before you know your coach says now you're ready for that belt i guess yeah i think i think if you if you got if you're training in a good gym and you got a good coach i think you kind of get promoted when they when they're like like you can't train on a purple belt anymore 
like this this people are going to say you're sandbagging yeah. like they'll never kind of be like okay you're kind of getting better right jump up to brown belt mm. it's like no nah, look i just can't i can't let you tie a purple belt on anymore yeah fine you can have a brown belt see my, my coach is almost like a he's like a renowned for like um when you get it like you've really earned it sort of thing um and like he, he probably does it a little bit like slower than like uh, some other gyms that I know but like at the same time you know when you like when you get it you're like actually I have really earned it now yeah, like yeah you don't you, feel like you're wearing yeah I don't else's feel belt, like right? yeah or I don't feel like I got it like too early or anything like that I don't feel like I got it like um falsely and and or or anything it, I like I feel like it was like fully earned and and he always says as well if you compete he's like you've taken a harder route um because obviously he has to see you like win like yeah. that, and that's the thing and um uh and I've had a like a really active year to be fair like um I'm so happy with like everything that I've done this year I literally like competed from like January onwards I think I just had a few like few odd months where I was like oh yeah I didn't train didn't compete on and that month didn't compete on that month but it was always getting ready for something um so it was like very active like very busy but also like super positive even like when I sort of didn't come away with a win it was still like was able to take so much from from it and really sort of grow so like now I've got it I'm like oh yeah like so much went into that like obviously so much has gone into it before this year but this year in particular has you know I've been like thrived a lot I guess and have you competed with the brown belt yet or no not yet so I only got it obviously end of November and uh basically since Polaris I've just been like I need my knee to get better when, when was when was your Polaris beginning of November oh okay yeah, so November third, I think that was November fourth. Um, and what do you know? What you've done to you? Uh, just... Yeah, so I done it back in July. This this is the issue. Like, so I I basically was um, getting ready for a match on Enyo, um, and I fell on it, and uh, basically I fell like on the corner of my knee, and my my kneecap just went like boop, boop, like just went out, <laughs> like come back. Um, but the problem was because I was getting ready for matches, I, I just didn't slow up um so I was like constantly just like just having to ignore it like was probably like the worst thing I should have done I should have just rested but because I had a match I was like oh, I need to train and because it was like my because Enyo was almost like my first big thing like in in my eyes like since MMA I was treating it like an MMA fight so I was like thinking about like make sure my weight was on point I was like make sure I was building up in terms of like um uh for my fitness to be there on the day and make sure I was peaking at the right point. And I sort of learned from that. This is jujitsu. It's a bit different. <laughs> I don't have to like yeah. train this way. Um, so I've learned a lot from, from, from that to be fair, but, uh, yeah, annoyingly, it, I just didn't take any time off and I probably should have. Um, and then after Enyo, I went to, um, Sardinia, and competed in Sardinia because I just wanted to do better than my match in Enyo. Uh, when I come back from Sardinia, I had, by this point I had Polaris booked. So I knew that I had to just keep training for that. Um, my knee was sort of like, have good good days, bad days. And then um, ended up having, um, like going out to Mallorca. It was pretty much like good whilst I was there, like training. And then it just like started to get bad again. And I was like, for God's sake. Um, then I had the match on Polaris. And when me and Kerry have rolled before, she's never attacked my legs. And in the Polaris match, 
it was all legs and I was like fuck's sake <laughs> like give me a break um but it was okay like it didn't hurt that much after um but then and silly because I still just was like eager to like level up a bit I just went back to training and now I'm at a point where I am forced to rest um, so you do have you got like some rehab and yeah yeah so I've just started off with a new strength coach so bless him like I, f- I feel really bad like <laughs> shout out to Jamie he's uh so he's really sort of trying to to work out what's wrong with the knee um but annoyingly like you know he's sort of saying like you need to sort of exercise it my physio is like you need to rest it and I'm sort of stuck in between at this moment where it's just always hurting Mm. so yeah so I I am having to bite the bullet and just rest because at least it's not getting more damaged uh or you know I haven't got someone trying to yank my leg just sort of doing the bits that like Jamie's got got me to do but in between it making sure I am actually resting and not just not just casually going to the Muay Thai class because I'm (laughs) you know rest should be rest yeah injuries is the worst though it's It's the most frustrating so annoying especially because it's not like if something like is um if something's like you can see it you you have to you have to rest like whereas like because it's like I can't see it and it's like oh my knee's like good like a lot of the time then I think oh yeah I can train and then someone will do something and I'm like oh what an idiot why did why did I bother yeah but I mean knees and probably knees and shoulders and yeah. back knee, like, and I have in injuries in all up, three so yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's kind of an occupational hazard of the, yeah. of the sport. My shoulder at this point, I just ignore because it's just been in pain for so long. That that happened in like 2020. Um, and, and it's something that I can live with. Uh, my back, I sort of know like how to manage it now. But my knee is just, it's getting really annoying. But I think, give it a bit of time. You actually need to give, give it, it a week. bit of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Give it a few days and I'll First of January, yeah. back in the... No, I'm, I'm sort of having a look now like what I can do for, for next year. Um, early part of the year, obviously, I'm not going to leave it too too late. Because the thing is, is that unlike MMA, I, I'm enjoying competing. Mm. Um, so I think I need to like ride with that and um, and just keep going with that. And, you know, and, and the thing is as well, it's so different with jiu-jitsu when you lose an MMA, obviously, straight away you get like a thing, like however many wins, however many losses, and you just see like your losses racking up and it's so soul-destroying. But with like jiu-jitsu, you don't care. No. Like, you can lose however many. I didn't even realise you could see it on Smooth Comp, like your uh, wins and losses. But um, you just don't really care. It's and, like, kind of more... The competing is the competing, isn't it? Exactly. It's like, let me just let me just test my jujitsu again. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, it's it's more. It is literally like it's always like I always think with jujitsu, it's just you against you. You're yeah. just trying to get better yourself. Um, and like I said, even with that match on Enyo, I was really able to sort of think like, right, this is where I'm going so wrong. Um, and my game changed massively just from that one match. And you know, I'm super thankful for that. And and so when you go on the, on these kind of shows, so like Enyo, Polaris, these ones generally would be sub only. Would they yeah, be sub only? they do go to points as well. So after the ten minute match, if there's no winner, it will go down to points. So do do you do you sort of approach them differently, or have a different mindset, or have a different game plan than, for example, just doing IBJJF gi, where you're like, if I get half a takedown, I can stay inside control for six minutes and win on an yeah, advantage so I've never really sort of thought of it like that anyway um, I do always hunt for a sub 
Um, I don't hunt to get a like a decision winner. I don't like to get them. Obviously, I do want to always win in like a bit of like a spectacular fashion. Um, so I wouldn't hunt for like points. But say say if like I am like doing a, a comp and like I get something, I'm like uh, I'm like oh at least I am ahead. Mm. Like so, but um, but with these like um. Uh, this was my mistake to be fair in in the Enyo one like automatically I was thinking points wise I was like oh if I don't get this sub I'm already ahead on points but I was wrong I wasn't ahead on points at all I thought I was um so then when I competed in Sardinia I competed on Enyo contenders um but I didn't go in that with the mindset of points at all I just went in with the mindset of um just trying to get the finish um and that just, it just, it meant that my mind wasn't preoccupied on something that, you know, wasn't quite there. And same with Polaris, you know, I wasn't sort of thinking on, on points wise, I was just thinking of just trying to get the finish. And we had such a good uh, back and forth match that I think maybe I was thinking more like, oh, if, if I get here, this will score a point, then may, maybe it wouldn't have been a, such a fast paced match. Yeah. So I suppose you, you, you just kind of, um, that's that's your way of fighting anyway, right? Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I I don't look at like it. It might it might be a wrong way of doing it. I I don't know. Um, but like I always, I'm terrible with like even remembering the point system. Like, I'm I'm so bad at it. I always forget. So I, yeah, there's yeah. always there was a, even a meme I think that just popped up on Insta today of uh, someone explaining the IBJJF point system to me and like me nodding yeah pretending that yeah. I understand and like the... some people like re really understand it and I, I like I said I just always forget so look for the sub yeah as Dana White says never leave it in the hands yeah of the and it's right? more fun isn't it like it's yeah. so much more fun yeah yeah it is so so apart from from fixing your knee what, what have you what, what's what's your plans for the for 2024 I really want to compete in Polaris again um that for me like that was like one of like you know like a life highlight like this. <laughs> I definitely want to do that again and um I think or, or something of that same sort of caliber I think you know there's a lot of lot of shows now that like you know grapple fest and stuff like that uh victory there's some some really high level um stuff but you know the fact that um Polaris is on fight pass and all that sort of thing and and I loved it that people loved my match as well so um, so do you approach those guys or they approach you? How, um, how does that connection happen? So I was quite lucky because uh, I trained with uh, Phil Harris. Uh, he was in the UFC. He trains with us at Jim One. He's one of my main training partners. Probably the only person that's sort of slightly close to my size. Um, but he um, was approached to, to go on Polaris. Um, and he was like, any chance you got a match for Jade? And they were like, oh, we, we know of Jade. Because uh, I fought on Polaris contenders as well last year. Um, and they were like, yeah, we know of Jade. And they was like, how about um, Kerry Isom? And um, like Phil said, oh, do you fancy going against this girl, Kerry Isom? Like, sure, one of my good mates. And I was like, yeah. So I'd like message Kerry. I was like, would you be up for it? She was like, yeah, I'd be well up for that. So yeah, so it'd be be good. And, and I sort of spoke to them again and sort of said like, I'd love to, to do this again. And they were like, look, like it was a really exciting match. Like we obviously like, like that sort of style and that sort of thing. And that, that's how I've always like approached everything with Taekwondo MMA. Like I, I've always wanted to be like a, an exciting fighter. All, all my favorites have always been exciting fighters. Do you know what I mean? I've never 
never hero worshipped anyone that's just gone to a decision. <laughs> Who's have you got some favourites? Uh Anson Silver. Okay. Yeah. Um BJ Penn. Um Chuck Liddell. So all, and, all and good finishers. I don't know if you did did you ever see any of the old Pride fights? I love Pride, yeah. So, I secretly prefer that to UFC as well. I was I was trying to explain to someone the other day about Vanderlei Silva's <sighs> stare downs. Savage, yeah. <laughs> if before like, when he'd do his little uh, Yeah, with the hands. hands. I was saying yeah, to him, like, you, I love you, that. you just gotta go and Google it. Yeah. To uh when he used to come out to uh Sandstorm yeah. as well, like with his yeah. like hands, like Looking like literally the axe murderer. Yeah, yeah, literally the axe murderer. Awesome. So um, I've got three questions to ask you. So question number one is, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck mm-hmm. or a hundred duck-sized horses? Duck-sized horses. Yeah, yeah hundred of them. Got a Got a plan? Got a strategy? Or just uh, soccer kick them all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put myself into a corner. Anyone that any of them that comes over? Yeah, okay. soccer kick them. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Okay. Second one is you're trapped in a TV show mm-hmm. for a month. What would you choose? Oh, one that wasn't where you wouldn't be at risk of death, probably. Uh, uh, the first thing that would pop into my my mind would be like that seventies show. What's that? Uh, it's, it was obviously it's set in the seventies. Is that what it's called? That yeah, that seventies show. show. It's like a group of kids. They all just like hang out in their friend's basement, just getting like stoned and that. Oh, cool! Like a, like an old Spielberg movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Before just, it kicks off. Yeah, yeah. like it, if I was to say something like Stranger Things, like that, you know, uh, there's too much risk. Yeah. That seventies show, like it, it's quite funny. It's quite lighthearted. Nice. Yeah. Okay, cool. And the last one is, you're going to have £10 million pounds mm-hmm. in cash right now, but you're being chased by a snail. If the snail touches you, you die a horrible death. The snail cannot be stopped. The snail cannot be killed. The snail knows where you are at all times, and it has only one goal, which is to get to you. Mm-hmm. Would you take the money? Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh with that amount of money, I could think of a plan to to outrun the snail. Yeah. Oh, okay. Take the money, <laughs> fuck the snail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much no, for No, thank you down. for having me. Thank it's you been for awesome. making the drive up here in the rain. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Um, you're pretty active on social media. Mm-hmm. So are you mainly on Insta? Yeah, mainly on Instagram, Facebook a little bit, not so much, but yeah, pretty much Instagram. And Insta's Jade? Jade underscore Barker zero one. Jade underscore Barker zero one, and then the gym is Jim O one. Yeah, Jim zero one. Jim zero one, and that's on Insta as well. That's on Instagram. Uh, our jujitsu team is Vito Shaolin BJJ UK. Um, but yeah, we do all come, all come under the same branch of Jim O one. And so you guys have got basically everything all day, every day. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky. Everywhere. Yeah, literally from some classes start at 7am um, and I don't think the gym shuts until about 9 or 10. Um, and then next door we have a 24-hour fitness side. So, yeah, so if you're bored at like 2am, you can still uh, hit the gym up. Nice. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you again for coming. No, here. thank you. It's been awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, appreciate your time. I know everybody's busy. So if you stayed all the way through for this one, thank you for spending time with us. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at White Basement Pod. 
You can listen to the podcast everywhere where you normally listen. You can uh, catch us always on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you hit the like. New episode drops every Tuesday, 5 a.m. We'll catch you next time. If you don't deserve my love, you won't get it, no credit. Me over once and regret it, yeah, I said it. Feelings and emotions, I can shed it, re-edit. I'm running from my past, yeah, a legacy through the hell is. I'm running around my brain trying to 